Whichever way we gather, big or small, uh, there are some real benefits to commend, to commend gathering as a church, um, to, to, to be all these things, to grow in discipleship, to, to worship God, to gather together in groups for fellowship, to be generous with our resources, and to, to live and speak about grace. Some of the benefits for us are we're learning to practice God's presence. Um, it's really easy to walk into a church building with these soaring, you know, columns and soaring arches in the roof and things and just be inspired and say, wow, God, I forgot, you know, I forgot about God. Wow, but now I'm reminded there's artwork here. Um, there, 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 there's just a tangible reminder that God is here. We can't have that all week. Um, we technically know that God is everywhere. It's in the Bible. Many of us know intellectually we should believe that, but practically we can live as atheists from Monday to Saturday if our only experience of church is on Sunday. So being the church and gathering together as the church once a week or more is kind of our way to practice and remind ourselves God is here in this world. So we can be the church the rest of the week. Um, that, that, that's one reason, you know, we, we know God's not just in the building, but church buildings are not such a bad thing when they remind us of God's presence in the world because we could forget so easily. As growing Christians, we want to develop a, an ongoing sensitivity to God. We want to remember God is there Thursday afternoon when we're bored at work. We want to remember that God is there Saturday morning when we're enjoying a walk in nature. And to do that, day in, day out, we need practice. And so the focus time, gathering together with a community like this or gathering together to worship with a larger church is our way to remind ourselves what to do Thursday afternoon and Saturday morning to remember that God is there. Um, secondly, it's a way to remember who we are. Um, <laughs> why does that get so many laughs? Um, yeah, they're not really on a good streak right now. But... Um, David kind of mentioned this, right? Um, hearing people say things that remind us we're not the only Christians in the world, not the only Christians in the room, not the only Christians at the workplace. Um, I put this up there because a friend of mine um, who was a Leafs fan was going to be traveling to Edmonton on business and was going to go to a game between Toronto and Edmonton. And uh, she was nervous about going and wearing her jersey, but decided to eventually do it. And obviously was a little scared and in the arena, looking around, thinking what's gonna happen here, um, feeling like she was the only one wearing blue. But then, one, as the game went on, one by one, she would notice somebody cheering for her team across the arena, down, down low, up in the box, wherever it might be, um, realizing she wasn't the only one there. She'd see a bit of blue, another bit of blue, uh, a white leaf, and say, okay, I'm not the only one here. I'm not the only one cheering for my team. Even though I felt like that, I got these visible reminders that we were, were wearing each other's colors. And, and in the same way, that, that can happen with, with God's community. Uh, there's an amazing story in the Old Testament part of the Bible about Elijah, one of God's prophets in ancient Israel, who's had a really tough day. Um, he's exhausted, he's frightened, he's scared, he, he's discouraged. Um, and with his physical and emotional resources drained, um, he pours out his heart to God. He basically says, God, I'm the only one left. Uh, everybody else has forgotten about you. They've all gone to worship other gods. I'm the only one left. 
basically saying, I give up, um, you know, take me now. Elijah was basically wondering if having a relationship with God was even worth it anymore. If he was the only one, should he just throw in the towel? God's answer was tender, but to the point. He said, Elijah, sit up, have something to eat. You'll feel better. Get some rest. You're not alone. I still have 7,000 people in Israel who've not bent their knees to other gods. It's kind of similar to my story about my friend, right? She thought she was all alone. She thought she was the only one cheering. And then she realized, wait a minute, I'm not alone. I'm not the only one. It's what church community, big or small, is meant to be about. One way for us to remind ourselves that we're not alone in the world. We're not the only person trying to follow Jesus. We're not the only Christian. We are part of a church that is global, that spans over centuries and millennia. And although in the day-to-day living as a follower of Jesus, it can feel tiring, it can feel lonely, gathering together with other followers of Jesus is meant to remind us that we're in this together that God actually has a hidden, a hidden army of people trying to follow him, even if it's not visible every single day. We also gather as a witness. People learn something when they see Christians gathering because most of us have somewhere else we could be. Um, when Christians gather on a Sunday morning and you see a young family there, um, probably wasn't easy getting there, getting the kids in the van and um, dressed in the first place and into the building and they decide they don't want to do it anymore and kick up a fuss. And everybody you see in church has a story like that where they could have been somewhere else or there were all sorts of reasons stacked against them, all sorts of excuses why they could have taken this day off. And yet when you see Christians gathered in one place, it's a witness to the world that, you know, we value this. This is more important than my kid making that travel team. This is more important than Uh, than me sleeping in. This is more important than cutting the grass first thing in the morning. Uh, Whatever it might be, whatever you had to um, prioritize lower, you're telling others in your life something about your priorities being totally and radically changed by following Jesus. I heard a a great story um, at a conference I went to uh, by a young guy, a really smart young guy uh, named Desmond who was involved in a tech startup in Waterloo. And uh, when he joined this startup, um, was going to be on the team that got it going, he, his, uh, his CEO said to him and the whole team, listen, everybody, we all need to be 100% committed to this, this business. None of us can have any hobbies. None of us can be involved in any other organizations on the side. We've all got to pour everything we've got into getting this thing going. And Desmond said uh, to his boss, listen, it's really important that I'm part of my church community. It's part of who I am. I can't stop. So here's the deal. For six months, I'm going to work on the business and I'm going to go to church Sunday morning and I'm going to go to my Bible study Wednesday night. If after six months, I'm not towing my weight, I'm not pulling my weight, I'm not part of the team, I'll quit. You don't even need to fire me. I'll just quit. But if it's working out and I'm doing everything my, my, my teammates are doing and more, then I can stay. They made the deal. Before the six months were done, Desmond says, his boss was saying to him, I want to know more about this church. You're doing more than anyone, and I think it has something to do with this church and this Bible study. There's something different about you. He wanted to know more. He started coming. Desmond's commitment to community, commitment to gathering together with the church, 
um, was a witness to somebody who was now becoming part of his community and learning to follow Jesus himself as a result. So don't underestimate how commitment to something like this course can be a witness to others. You could be somewhere else right now. I'm glad you're here and somebody else has probably noticed by now. And like I said earlier, it's meant to be a celebration. Um, we're meant to come together as a visible witness to the world that there is something better. And so we can't always get together and have boring, dismal, dry services uh, where everybody wishes they were doing that other thing. We're supposed to celebrate. Uh, wow, God is our Father. Wow. Through Jesus, he's done something incredible for us. Wow, we have the Holy Spirit with us. And God wants to throw parties. The kingdom of God is described as a banquet. And so we need to practice that. If we're truly practicing God's kingdom, we need to learn to party it up. Uh, because the kingdom of God is meant to be the ultimate party. And so we need to have lots of little parties now to get ready. So, so, so we are, are the biggest party animals um, when God's kingdom comes. Christians are called to, to live in community, to, to, to be a community of learners, to realize it's impossible to do this on our own and that it would be half the fun if we had to do this on our own and we can have all the fun when we do it together. So that's why um, you know, churches are, are meant, meant to be a community uh, who encourage and support each other, um, have a great time and, and learn as they do it. Well, we have a question for you to discuss today, and as usual, we hope that you won't just uh, think about it on your own, but that you'll share your thoughts with some friends, family, colleagues, fellow commuters, somebody else in your life who might benefit from taking this course to help them grow as a Christian. Here's your question for today. Someone once said, if you find a perfect church, don't join it, you'll ruin it. If you aren't already part of a church, what characteristics will you look for in an imperfect Christian community? Well, have a great discussion, and I'll see you tomorrow. Bye for now.